there's no point creating assets and ideas for channels or for stuff that you know performs well on certain channels if the company isn't particularly interested or doesn't have its audience there. You're listening to the Content 10X Podcast, where it's all about content repurposing. I'm Amy Woods, and I'm here to help you maximize your content and find smart ways to get your message in front of more of the right people, whilst also saving time. Let's get started. Hello and welcome to the Content 10X Podcast. I'm your host, Amy Woods, and in this episode, I'm joined by a fantastic guest and we talk all about repurposing B2B marketing reports. Now, my guest is Daniel Plume. Daniel is a content marketing strategist with over 15 years of experience in marketing for brands like Dropbox, Oracle and ServiceNow. Daniel really caught my attention with an excellent LinkedIn post that he wrote where he was talking about how He was editing and repurposing a mammoth report for a client and he discussed a seven-step process that he follows. I really wanted to find out more and I was delighted when Daniel agreed to come onto the podcast to share this. So listen in to hear Daniel's detailed breakdown of his seven-step process for editing a 55-page report and how he is repurposing it for all stages of the marketing funnel. It's a fantastic conversation. Let's dive in. Daniel, a very, very warm welcome to the Content 10X podcast. It's great to have you here. Thanks for having me. I'm really looking forward to this conversation. As soon as I saw that fantastic post that you put on LinkedIn, which I'll talk about in a minute, um, I thought I need to get Daniel on the show and I'm so pleased that you said yes, so it's going to be good. Now, we're going to be talking about repurposing reports, aren't we? But before we dig into that, Could you just in summary share a bit more about, you know, the journey that got you to where you are today? Sure. So I'm currently sort of running my own content studio and strategy house or agency, I guess. I spent 15 years working in and around content, a kind of accidental marketer and accidental content creator. I wanted to be a journalist, uh, realized there was no money in journalism and I was regurgitating press releases for companies that didn't really seem to have a clue about how comms worked. So I made the switch and went to work for businesses and an agency. So I've worked my way up from kind of content creator to content and team lead. My most recent job before being made redundant was for a uh, product consultancy where I built a team and an internal kind of brand agency overseeing digital design, content, copy and and strategy. And then, as I said, I got made redundant at the end of last year and went out solo. So I'm now sort of helping clients with their content be more intentional around it and create content that resonates with their particular audiences. Because I think everyone's doing content, but sometimes that really fundamental strategy piece gets left behind. As I mentioned, like, you know, this podcast, Content Tenet Podcast, we always look at ways that we can maximize and repurpose and squeeze value from content. And I loved a LinkedIn post that you put out recently where you were saying that you had a 55-page report that you were working on. Um, at least, you yeah. Had a, yeah, at <laughs> least, yeah. And there was a six-step process that you had to extract the maximum value from it. I love the, the six steps and I want to go through them with you if that's okay. But firstly, just a bit of background to the report. So what kind of report were you looking at? Like into B2B, B2C, what kind of topic was it covering? Yeah, so it was. it's a B2B report. There was some primary 
research in there, but mostly it was exploring ESG actually and investment into kind of privately owned businesses from private equity and other kind of investors and the importance and the role of ESG policies within that. And I was brought into it cold and it had been commissioned and written by a South African agency. Basically, it was expediency it was the kind of core driver for the client. And they put this agency under pressure and they got it back. And then they realized that actually it wasn't good enough. They were going to have to stop, regroup and start again. And I was the lucky one on the receiving end of, you know, as you said, 55 pages of stuff that needed to be picked apart, repurposed, edited, and kind of have that narrative extracted from it and turned around into something a little bit more impactful. So really it was a case of um, we've got lots of good stuff in here, but we need to do something different with it and make get extract the value from it. So it was pulled together, like I said, with that South African agency and they'd done a couple of rounded edits, but they just realised that it wasn't good enough and it was overly long and their kind of belief within the client from their own work and understanding what works for them on their channels in terms of length and readability and usability and people kind of actually engaging with this stuff. They had a proposed limit of how long something should be. And this was sort of double that. So it was a question of what can we, what's the core of the story that we want to go out with and what's some of the stuff around the edges that we can take out, repurpose, make sharper, put into a different format. So there was, they were approaching it with a repurpose, reskin and condensing kind of mindset which was really good actually because there was plenty to get stuck into yeah yeah it sounds like it and then you know you come along and and save the day <laughs> so well we'll see um, but hopefully yeah, yeah. <laughs> let's walk through the six steps then so stage one what do we do as uh, so a stage one was reading the report through i to be honest i really struggled with this one because i want to get the pen out and start you know crossing things off intrinsically like it's sort of great for me when i read a sentence and i think i can't get past that so i have to sort of sit on my hands and kind of go through it but sometimes what happens is you can get sort of stuck into that kind of editing process straight away it's like, oh well they should really be talking about this or it should take this way and then you suddenly realize that like a couple of paragraphs down the line it does start talking about that and then it's backtracking going back over it so reading it through depending on the length of it because this was 55 pages like i kind of took a couple of stabs at kind of really reading it through because there was a lot to kind of digest and take in if you don't do that, actually, it will take, well, certainly for me anyway, it takes twice as long to then go through and edit it properly. So that's what I try and do is try and take it all in. And yeah, if it's not too long, I'll go away and come back again and read it again before getting stuck in. Yeah, I am totally with you that I find it really hard to just go through something without just at least like, you know, making some comments and this, that and the other. It takes quite a bit of willpower if you were both obviously quite similar in that regard. Um, so step one is really sort of, forcing yourself to just get through the whole thing without doing anything and just like you know get through it and do a holistic like view of what's in here what's it all about and then step two so what do we move on to then for me like after sort of reading it through I really try and position myself like who is the target for this work and then go through it again with key sections takeaways and like re-highlighting that stuff and highlighting fluff essentially with a report of that length typically what happens from an agency perspective is more than one person will work on it and when more than one person works on it you'll get duplication you'll get repetition you'll get the same things said in multiple ways but essentially they're the same that can all be like stripped away and taken out 
So there's a lot of kind of going through, highlighting the bits and pieces that are good, trying to put a red line through stuff that can literally be taken out. So it's just about understanding what the core narrative of the piece is, which you should have been able to pick up from the whole, like reading it all through. And then it's like, okay, well, if that's the narrative and the thread, where can I strip stuff out? Where can I enhance? Or perhaps there's even a question of, like, I know this is then touching on to the next step, but actually reviewing the structure and the narrative. So highlight the key sections and then moving on to the structure and the narrative. Because like I said, if there's a few people that have been working on it, when duplication and repetition does come in, suddenly that structure and the narrative can be blown out because you're jumping from bit to bit because you're correcting and overcorrecting and explaining that you don't need to do. So that was large. I would say that was probably the biggest point of work within this particular report was just stripping it back and maneuvering things around into a, a bit more of a, a narrative that ultimately the reader would take away. I, I really like this step in terms of, you know, as you said, just really going through and identifying the value and extracting the value and looking at the structure before you're trying to retrofit that into some repurposing idea that you have. Instead of, you know, trawling through and thinking, right, I'll find like 10 tweets and five LinkedIn posts. Actually, just first, where's the value? Um, what's good? Highlight it. What would be the structure? Um, so number two, you're highlighting those sections. Number three, reviewing structure and narrative. What do we do after that stage? So you've stripped out the nonsense or the narrative that you got down to the bare kind of core of it. You haven't completely removed it from the document. So some of that stuff is there. So that next kind of phase for me when I was doing this, but it's like, okay, what can we take away and create a separate body of content? What can we expand upon? Because like I said, this was an educational, there was a lot of educational content in there, which might make more sense further up the funnel. So absolutely that becomes blogs or it could become a sort of slide share, carousel, whatever that may be, but it moves further up the funnel really identifying opportunities and follow-up ideas. So thinking holistically from top, middle and bottom of funnel, this was very much in that mid phase, in that middle section where people understand the issue, they're perhaps looking at, at ways to solve it or ways through it. So it's like, okay, well, if we're talking about this, that or the other, what is the next step that we want people to take from here? And what could bring people into here? And then finding all of that unmissable stuff that provides context that gives you an opportunity to have those more in-depth discussions with other collaborators, with other experts in the field, picking out those questions for subject matter experts, for podcast debates like this one, video opportunities, all of that juicy stuff, which rather than, that then kind of makes it actually, I guess, like a, a full kind of multi-channel campaign, which has got a start point, a middle point and an end point. Typically, like as an agency side kind of content creator and strategist, often what happens is that I'm brought in to fulfill a brief where a lot of that thinking perhaps has been done, but often it hasn't been. And in this instance, I was actively encouraged to go away and find what's the next step? Like what could we push out into another piece of content or where could we funnel people through as a next kind of port of call and come up with those ideas around it? And with so much in there. There was a whole host of stuff to kind of fill that thinking and do that full end-to-end -end thinking around a big body of content. The whole thinking for me around repurposing anyway, it's like to broaden the reach, but also kind of funnel down to take people all, like not just to, oh, we just needed to reach as many people as possible, but also to like funnel them through to that next step. So that was what I do after that kind of step four is thinking that through. And maybe sometimes I didn't in this instance, but I have done, it's like drawn that out on a Miro board of like, if this is the report, 
this section, this section, this section, and kind of draw how users could flow through the piece. In this report, we, we added sidebars and call-out boxes for case studies and other bits and pieces to, that didn't detract from the main narrative, but were also relevant at the time that people could go and read straight away too. As you're talking through about doing that analysis, I'm just thinking to myself about the different channels that the company that you're doing the repurposing for, or just, you know, if you're doing it in-house, obviously your own channels. It's important to do that channel analysis, isn't it? Because I know you mentioned in your post, which I thought was great, that there's additional content ideas, as you just said, could be discussion points, questions with subject matter experts. Maybe you pick out some podcast debates. If you have a podcast in LinkedIn, carousels, LinkedIn posts, videos, and so on, there's so much you can do. So I guess, you know, at this stage, when you're identifying the repurposing opportunities, are you doing that channel analysis as well of, well, what channels are available to you? What do you currently have? Where do you engage with your audience at the moment? Where do you get the most engagement? We haven't gotten to fully to that phase yet, but that is definitely the next step. So there's no point creating assets and ideas for channels or for stuff that you know performs well on certain channels if the company isn't particularly interested or doesn't have its audience there. So it's kind of step four and also like a final step in this instance, just because of the the nature of like needing to get that main report sort of finalized before we kind of went on. But what I'd like to do with clients is on big bodies of work is to almost have those discussions ahead of time to talk about repurposing and distribution ahead of time, almost like kind of distribution first, I guess. Yeah. And I think, as you said, sometimes there can be a misdirection of effort, like where people go about a task like this but maybe start to focus on some of the wrong channels and not focusing on the right ones but I also find quite often that clients that we work with or people that I speak to will also miss really obvious available channels that we could create some content for when we're, we're working on something like this like repurposing an ebook or a report like classic things they've got this really engaged email subscriber list quarterly or weekly whatever the email that goes out to a really like hard-earned audience of subscribers and forget to discuss actually well, could we put some content into your next newsletter about this and things like that you know just some areas like often sometimes think just about the website and social but there's all these other oh right you you know you're speaking at an event in a month or so a sort of representative of the company is is there anything about this in the talk as well in the presentation things like that you have to think or you can miss can't you if you're not careful so doing that analysis yeah what is step number five in the process? We've just been identifying repurposing opportunities and all the follow-up ideas. This is where I return my attention to to the writing and pulled out my, my red pen and started striking stuff through and, and reworking stuff for, for accuracy and being more succinct. Yeah, it was such a large report. Like There was big chunks of it that were culled early on, but in terms of readability and like really zeroing in on audience need, there was quite a big chunk of work here to kind of bring it all together i read it out loud after that which was much to the amusement of my partner and my young daughter who thought i'd completely lost the plot sort of speaking out loud but to myself in here but you immediately hear where sentences don't work and you can quickly pick up the delivery pace and i know it sounds silly because it's being read but the sentence structure and the way that you structure a piece like has a really big influence on like if it's all long sentences, for example, people lose interest because it just goes on and on and on, or it feels like it goes on and on. So doing the edit and then reading it out loud and making sure that 
it makes sense and it flows from as you say it that must have taken that was probably a good week's worth of the work on this just kind of dipping in and out because you can't i don't know about you but i can't stay zero in and focus on i, I kind of did do it in chunks otherwise my brain sort of starts to not see words the same way like missing obvious typos or, or stuff like that so so yeah that's how i, I sort of broke that up and, and read it out loud I absolutely loved the tip, by the way, on reading out loud. I often do that. And like you said, it seems funny when it's a written piece of content that the person isn't like, it's not being read out loud. It's not a video script, but it does just make such a difference to do that. And you spot those long sentences, like you said, and things like that. So fantastic editing tip. Hey, just a little break from this podcast episode to ask you a question. Would you like one single place that you can go to that provides you with everything you need to be able to implement the best practices in content repurposing for your video content, your podcast episodes, and your social media content today? To help you get more value from the content that you create, get more time back, and help you reach more people than you ever thought possible. If so, then you are going to love the Content 10X Toolkit. The toolkit is full of video tutorials, templates, checklists, swipe files, step-by-step -step guides, and more that shows you how to repurpose your content in the best ways possible today. No more Googling, no more figuring it out yourself. We provide you with everything that you need to become a content repurposing pro. If this sounds like something that would interest you, then go check out the Content 10X Toolkit at content10x.com forward slash toolkit. Okay, I'm back to this week's episode. Let's move on to number six. So what do you do after that intense edit stage? I need to kind of let it breathe because there's a compulsion, certainly on my end, of like once you get to the end, it's just going, kind of, right, send that, done, get it off the desk, let's move on with another task. But you need another run through before you sort of ship it. So if, if you've got time, sleep on it. If you haven't and you've only got kind of, you know, you're up against a tight deadline, just go and do something else, go and make a cup of tea and just like watch the bubbles in the kettle, like anything like that to just completely like kind of reset your brain, like try and wash away some of the torment of the last sort of few days or however long it's taken you to kind of get through to, to the edit process, like get through that edit process. So that was a big thing for me because then you kind of come back and you read it out loud again and you just make those kind of final edits. I can't remember who told me to do that, but I have implemented it ever since. And it makes a huge, huge difference. Certainly from my point of view of like just taking that extra time to read it again. Big space to let it breathe and then revisit after you've given enough breathing space to be able to, you know, review with fresh eyes. So that's, yeah, that's great. And then what is um, sort of final step seven of this process? So in this instance, it's step seven, but it's kind of collaborating with a designer. So we're going final, final copy edits back and forth between the client at the moment. And then that next step is actually working collaboratively with the designer to see how it looks on the page. I don't know that there's a, like, two schools of thoughts on this in kind of like having a template and writing content for a template or producing the content and then working together to kind of make that work. I've tried both methods and both are fine sometimes i find working from a template can sort of force you to write in a certain way not necessarily good or bad but it certainly does make you think differently about the length of content that you're putting into a certain space when you know that you've only got a certain structure to work within so there are pluses and minuses there because you have to be ruthless with what goes in and what doesn't sometimes there are bits and pieces of work that need that space and time to breathe and often working with a designer who you trust and work well with 
when you start putting stuff together on a page, they can immediately pull you up on like, well, this doesn't work. This is going to overflow into like, you know, like by, by a paragraph onto another page, for example. And that can be, you know, for me, working that way around, working, having the content and then looking at how it will fit into the template and the structure that we're working towards, not the other way around, having a template and structure, writing content is, is the way for me. Yeah, and it sort of forces you to view the content differently as well in terms of the white space and that kind of initial, I don't know if you get this, but there are some things that I know that I want to read and I will download them or I'll look at them and I'll turn the page or I'll sort of scroll down and I'm just like overwhelmed. And I immediately, I'm just like, I can't, I can't even deal with that right now. And often that will mean that it will sit in my desktop, in my downloads folder or wherever for forever until maybe one day I have to look at it. So that kind of visual element of it is really important. And I don't underestimate the power of, of, sort of sitting with the designer at that initial kind of like mocking it up stage and seeing what it looks like rather than being suddenly seeing the whole thing at the end and be like, that isn't how I envisaged it looking at all. So having that kind of design, I think probably the most important thing because you kind of get that feeling of like, what's the reader going to feel when they look at it? And I think in a digital age where you just kind of put stuff up and you sort of write for algorithms or whatever, like actually like missing that bit of like what it looks like and what it feels like to interact with is a big mess. Yeah, it's a huge thing. I agree because it could be the best content, the best written piece ever. But if it's, as you said, if it's intimidating to look at and it's just not something that's going to get people to actually read, then what a waste that is. Exactly. Um, we often find that we all did numerous reviews of something and it all looked absolutely great in Word or Google Doc or whatever. But as you said, when it got to the designer and then the designer's like, ta-da, here it is. And we're just like, oh, no, like, it looks, yeah. so, it looks it, completely that's it, it's right. It's like, oh, no, because it sort of feels like, you're right back to square one. You kind of want that momentum to kind of take it through into all the distribution as well, because then you're sort of excited for getting it out there. You know it looks good. You know it reads well or it watches well or whatever. So there's, yeah, it's kind of like a, it's just the most crucial step, I think, for a lot of these, especially a big report. Exactly. And sometimes when we're sort of painting over like words and sections and things like that, we'll just get to the point of saying, we know it's not completely right, but let's just get it designed now. And then we'll know how to fiddle with this once we've seen it in the design stage. Like we kind of know we're going to have to fiddle with it a bit. So yeah, it's so important. Don't step away from that the collaboration with the designer and work with the designer because you have to be confident, like you said, that it's going to be appealing on the eye and that people will actually consume that content. And I know it's still work in progress, as you've mentioned at the moment. It's a huge piece that you've been working on. Like, what kind of content are you looking to have produced from it? What's the sort of different distributed pieces of content in a nutshell? So what we've sort of extracted from it, so I had my initial list of ideas, concepts, and where I thought we needed to kind of ramp up and look at kind of that next step of the conversion element of it, of how we can convert readers into customers. So... There's obviously the one hero report, which like I said, we're just finalizing now. And then I think is going to be translated across, I think it's at least 18 different languages. So then there's sector specific breakdowns and breakout reports within that. There could be at the moment, I've kind of identified three that are kind of spoken about at length in the report, but the client may decide that actually there's enough there to ramp up and expand that across more of the verticals that they work within. There's video ideas and concepts within that that I've kind of mapped out as a very loose storyboard about what they could do with that. 
there's trends, there's some statistical insights, and then there's a couple of other sort of loose case studies that are within that, which I've mapped as potential long form blog articles. I think there's, I've, I've written in the post that there's 12, but I think there might be more now as we've gone through a few more edits and called out a couple of extra bits. And there's a whole host of questions that we've pulled together to speak to the SG experts, to private equity firms, to other kind of investors that can add more color and context onto some of those more pertinent points. Obviously, the back of that is either interview Q&As, it could be podcasts, it could be videos, it could be talking heads, it could be events, it could be keynote presentations, it could be whatever, right? There's a whole host of things that, particularly with the SG, because it's such a hot topic. And there's potentially hundreds of kind of different social posts and stack cards and points of view and all manner of things for a host of different channels. And it kind of feels like, I, I just feel as I signed off and we're just getting started. It doesn't feel like that. But there are, I kind of mean it in the sense that, like you alluded to, like these things are kind of evergreen. I mean, research reports tend to last until the next piece. And then you have your benchmarking and your comparison stuff to do anyway. So you've got the whole world of stories and narratives to extract from that as well. This is the first time they've done a report of this nature. It's a bit of a new, not a new field, but something that they're really ramping up their efforts into. So it kind of feels like this is the kind of keystone piece for at least the next sort of six to 12 months before they're kind of planning the next report and perhaps doing a more in-depth research piece and in-depth study, taking their learnings from the subject matter experts that they're going to speak to, partners in the field, all of that all of that comes with it. So there's a world of stuff that is in the offing to be created and sort of outlines already mapped for blog articles and video storyboards and stuff. Typically with reports of this size, there is so much that it's a huge topic. So there's so much that is unsaid for one reason or another in favor of like that core message, but is actually adds color and adds narrative to what, to what the, the client is really trying to say about their position within in this case, sort of like ESG marketplace and, and world. It's amazing how much content and content opportunities that not just the different types of content, but then obviously when you mentioned about additional interviews and discussions with SMEs and things like that, well, in the formats that they have, it's just the gift that keeps on giving because that will be all the forms of content that can be repurposed in a similar way. I love this story. I mean, the process that you've gone through is like super interesting for anyone faced with this task of repurposing a fairly substantial report i actually realized that i introduced this as a six-step process yet we did seven steps so we've got a bonus step in there the secrets <laughs> sneaky bonus step in number seven and no one will know about it unless <laughs> they listen to the end yeah, exactly so if you've noticed then that's amazing uh, and You'll make I love... this, but then that's the hook for the distribution right there <laughs> yeah exactly i love the way that you explained that there was issues with the report. It wasn't quite what they wanted and repurposing in the form of the expertise of Daniel as well saved the day, didn't it? Because it was just, well, there's so much from this. So let's extract the value. Let's get more from it. So it's a, I know you said that the report is being still going ahead and improved and will still be going ahead. But the fact that so much came from something that was perhaps a little bit underwhelming when they first received it is amazing. <laughs> um, Thank you. So final question. Someone is faced with this task, similar 5,500 page report, and we've just gone through loads of tips, but what if there's one big mistake or mishap that you would like to suggest, please like try and avoid this, what would it be? Everyone's got their own way of approaching editing and reading things through. But for me, like reading aloud, as I mentioned, is like, 
was game changing for me. Once I started doing that, I started immediately seeing where the flaws were in my writing. And it then has a knock on impact to my content production for other clients down the road as well. It's just having that kind of realization that things are short, too short, too long, need to sort of break that up, add some rhythm, add some character, add some soul. So that is kind of like my number one. And if you can, like the, my first, like don't do anything until you've read it and like inhabit the reader's shoes properly like do a bit of reading about the target that it's for and understand their payment points and challenges first because i'm not an expert in esg but you know just a little bit of reading around the subject reading the report taking time reading it again was instrumental in saving me a lot of time down the road and i know that it's daunting when someone slaps a 55 page report in front of you but just take the time put some headphones on orange noise or white noise is really good i don't know if um allowed to add a third a third idea or concept in there for me that's that has also been uh, a bit of a game changer in terms of just like helping me focus and stay on point and not listen to music as i normally do or sit in silence which i can't bear i agree it's really funny during the lockdowns i used to listen to this white noise app which was the background sound of a coffee shop i think i can't remember i can't I remember what it was called but it was an app and you chose different sounds like being in a meadow being here and there and because of not being in coffee shops since forever i used to sit at work and and just have the sound of like bangs and people and coffee shop and stuff like that somehow made me more in the zone because i do st- sometimes struggle with silence but music distracts me obviously a podcast would be extremely distracting so it needs to be yeah. white noise anything with it? words <laughs> yeah exactly. anything with that words the work. amount of time the amount of times I find myself typing lyrics, I'm like, no, right. Flip <laughs> yeah, a few lyrics in there. Yeah. <laughs> well, this has been amazing. Thank you for those final tips. They're just incredibly, incredibly useful. And Thank I know, you. you know, listeners will have really enjoyed just hearing some great tips on what you do when you face a task like that and the kind of results that you can get as well. So thank you for coming on the, the show. My absolute pleasure. Where would you like, well, I think you're going to say LinkedIn, but I'll ask the question anyway. <laughs> Where would you like people to go and connect with you and let you know how much they enjoyed this? Yeah, definitely find me on LinkedIn, Daniel Plume. Come and join me and, and connect with me on there. I try and post other useful insights and tips around content, repurposing strategy, hopefully daily, but sometimes life with two kids gets in the way. Yeah, come and find me on there. Always happy to talk and hear about uh, other success stories and content wins and anything else you want to share, really. Um, My DMs are always open, um, so I look forward to speaking with you on there. Thanks, Daniel. And um, I'll put the link to um, how to connect with Daniel, obviously, in the show notes, so do check that out. Highly recommend. I love your posts. There's a lot of nonsense and regurgitation and things like that on LinkedIn, and I always think that you put you know some real sort of thought into sharing just some great insights and things like that i so do try you do you. And, and it shows honestly you see all the kind of <laughs> nonsense and this and that that is on linkedin and then we see the really good posts and you're in that category of the really good posts. so connect and, and follow daniel and say hi thank you so much for coming on we'll wrap up there so thank you for coming on um the show daniel it's been awesome and thanks for everyone who's tuned in thank you everyone thanks amy Okay, so I hope you enjoyed that discussion and thank you so much for tuning in. If you enjoy the Content 10X podcast, then why not hit that subscribe button on your podcast listening app of choice so that you can get updated when new episodes are released. And I'd really, really appreciate it if you could leave a review as well. That really makes a difference for the podcast. Also, please do get a copy of my book, Content 10X, more content, less time, maximum results. It is the ultimate 
ultimate guide to repurposing every type of content. And it's available on Amazon, in Kindle and paperback, and also in audiobook as well. And you can head to content10x.com forward slash book to find all the other places that you can get a copy of my book. And if you would like us to do your content repurposing for you, then we offer a fully end-to-end done-for-you content repurposing service. This is for podcasters and video content creators. We have our podcast 10x, video 10x, and also our specific LinkedIn 10x service, helping you to become the leading authority in your industry on LinkedIn. You can find out so much more about our services on our website. And also, please do give me a follow on the social media platforms. I share lots and lots of tips and advice on social media about content repurposing. I'm at content10x on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. And if you try content10x.com forward slash LinkedIn, you'll find my LinkedIn profile over there as well. All that's left to say is thank you so much for listening to this week's episode and I'll catch you in the next one. Thank you.